Please be seated. In Paul's letter to the Philippians, in the third chapter, he says, If anyone else has a reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. See, Paul was a Hebrew's Hebrew. His pedigree was impeccable. He was from a good Jewish family, a member of the elite tribe of Benjamin, a Pharisee, a keeper of the law, a zealot for Judaism. He was in every respect in his culture, in his time, a model upright citizen. If anyone could boast at the time of their human accomplishments, it was Paul. But with all of his accomplishments, once Paul came into a relationship with Jesus, nothing he had ever done, nothing he would ever do of his own power, would measure up to who he was in Christ. His best accomplishment on his best day, Paul counted as loss compared to knowing Christ. 
So in this passage, Paul is saying all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand. Everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I can embrace Christ and be embraced by Him. He's saying, I don't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules when I can get the robust, real righteousness that comes from trusting Christ. God's righteousness. See, we spend a lot of time Building up resumes in this life, don't we? We want our children and our grandchildren to go to the best schools that they possibly can. Why? Well, because they'll have more and better opportunities as those who are reviewing their resumes, those that make hiring decisions, make them based on the reputations of those schools. We place a lot of stock in pedigrees in our culture. Would you agree? While we don't have actual royalty here in this country, we will watch for hours during the Oscars or the Emmys or the Golden Globes because for many Americans, celebrities are like royalty. And even in this country, in certain circles of money and power, having the right family name might elevate your status and increase your opportunity. Now, in small town Texas, we might laugh at the thought of a person's resume or pedigree giving them a reason to boast in the flesh. But then we tend to elevate maybe the high school quarterback or the head cheerleader who very often end up being the prom king and prom queen by popular vote. Above the average student, we elevate them, even perhaps above the above average scholar. Now, please understand that Paul was not devaluing his accomplishments and completely setting aside his Jewish heritage. Far from it. Likewise, I am not standing here this morning devaluing the accomplishments of the award-winning actor or the high school football star or the head cheerleader. Those are remarkable accomplishments. What Paul is saying to us is that as noteworthy as those things are, they are nothing compared to knowing Christ personally. It's a matter of perspective, earthly perspective versus spiritual, heavenly perspective. See, we can move through this life with our eyes focused on the things of the world, on money and power, material possessions, perhaps, or we can move through this life with our eyes focused on the things that really matter. 
the things with eternal significance. There's a passage in Hebrews that I particularly like. It's Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3, and it says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider Him who has endured such hostility by sinners against Himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. See, after hearing these words from Hebrews, we have to ask ourselves some questions. Am I putting my full effort into the race that is my daily life, my daily calling? As seekers, people who don't know Christ, as seekers watch me as I go about my day, people who are wondering about my faith, am I setting a Christ-like example that would make them want what I have? Or when they look at my life, do they shake their heads and turn away from me and from my professed Christianity because I am clearly not running the race with my eyes fixed on Jesus. See, I was in Jacksonville yesterday um, at the Perkins School of Theology Extension Campus and I was taking a, a course on uh, Wesleyan heritage. And I usually drive up on Friday afternoon, and then I drive home after class on Saturday evening. And this is my third year in the course of study program, which if you're not familiar is a five-year uh, kind of continuing education program. Anyway, by now I have routines established when I roll into Jacksonville or sometimes it's Plano depending on where the course is being offered that month. At any rate, when in Jacksonville, I like to have dinner at this little Mexican hole-in-the-wall restaurant. It's on the top of a hill right off Main Street. And so as I arrived in Jacksonville, that's where I ended up and... As I sat at my table trying to avoid filling up on chips and salsa. I know, we've all been there, right? Which is hard because their chips are... This is, this is completely off point, but it's important. Their chips are warm and salty, which is just like I like them. And their salsa is cool and fresh, which is just like I like it. So it's incredibly hard to resist those things. And it... it it occurred to me that after three days of being incredibly ill, 
with bronchitis and, and other stuff that I won't tell you with. Um, and all of it courtesy of this amazing spring bloom that we're having. It occurred to me that I actually had an appetite again. And, and so I ordered an enchilada combo plate. I'm going somewhere with this, so just bear with me, and I hope I'm not making you too hungry before lunch. With a side of guacamole, and I waited patiently for it to arrive, occupying my time with the temptation of the chips and salsa. And when my dinner came, I paused for a few moments, and I gave thanks, not just for the food, but for the gift of healing that somehow was allowing me to enjoy it after three days of being uh, confined to my bed. So there was an elderly couple at the next table and they were just finishing their meal and the gentleman leans my direction and he asks, excuse me, are you a preacher? And I said, yes sir, I am. How did you know? And bear in mind, I wasn't wearing a collar or anything like that. And he said, you just look like a man of the cloth. Well, since I wasn't wearing the collar, and although I was particularly enthralled with the chips and the salsa, I hadn't broken any chips ceremoniously, like it might be a, a corn communion wafer or something, and I hadn't lifted up the salsa like a communion cup. Although it really is heavenly salsa, I'm telling you, it's good stuff. So I'm wondering at this point, what do you mean? And so I said, I'm not sure what a man of the cloth looks like when he's not wearing the cloth, but I am a Methodist pastor. And he said, I knew it. My wife was raised Methodist, and we got married by a Methodist preacher, and you have the same appearance as he did. And so, intrigued by this, I said, what about us is the same? I was really curious as to what he had to say. And he said, it's just a way about you, I suppose. The, the kindness in your tone to the waitress. The way you prayed for more than a minute <laughs> over your food. There's just a peacefulness that surrounds you. Our preacher was like that too, he said. Of course, that's been 39 years ago now. <coughs> what a blessing that they have been together for 39 years and that they have this fond memory of the preacher who married them. And I was honored, and I told him so. I'm honored that I remind you of him. But as I thought about it afterwards, what I was truly honored about was that I had been given this gift of affirmation that what this couple had witnessed was not me or even the memory of their former preacher, but it was them recognizing Christ in him and in me. And I thought, what higher affirmation could any of us have than to be recognized as a follower of Christ? One more story has nothing to do with Mexican food. 
The other day, and, and some of you may have seen this if you follow at all um, Facebook, but after church, uh, and you know my wife plays bass guitar over at uh, Strawbridge United Methodist in the, in the worship team there, so she usually is only able to be here on communion Sundays. So I met my wife and, and uh, our son over at IHOP for lunch after church. And as we were leaving, I had occasion uh, to sit on the curb there on the side of the, of the restaurant with a homeless man and his dog. Now, I had seen this man many times before in front of the HEB there in Atascacita. Um, and I had even handed him change and care packages, water, dog food, uh, you name it. But there was something particularly different about this afternoon. And I felt this tug on my heart as if the Holy Spirit was saying to me, you need to do more than just hand him money or food or water. So I circled back, I parked, I got out, and I approached him and I asked him if he minded if I sat with him for a bit. And it turns out that this gruff-looking individual was very soft-spoken and kindly, and he invited me to sit. And we talked for a few minutes, and we talked about all kinds of things. We talked about his dog in particular, how faithful she seemed. And he admitted to me that she was special to him and was his only true companion. And then he said something that really grabbed me by the heart. He said, most people don't notice me, but they notice my dog. And he said, I just want someone to see me. And as if the Holy Spirit had just grabbed my tongue and said, God sees you even when other people don't. Now that resonated with him in some way and he had this big toothless grin come over his face that just resonated with, with joy. And I prayed with him briefly and I shook his hand and I gave him far less money than he is worth. And I said, God bless you. And he replied, he just did. And when I left that place, I wondered who had actually been the minister. Because you see, he wasn't counting as valuable anything I had given him except for the Christ that he saw in me. And I wasn't seeing anything negative in him because of the value that he has in Christ.
And anything I might have brought into that meeting that might have made me the superior person in that meeting from a worldly perspective, my education, the fact that I had money to give and he needed it, the fact that my clothes were clean and his were not, the fact that when we left there, he would go to a place in the woods and I would go to a house. None of that mattered as we shared that moment. All of that stuff, I count it all as loss compared to the moment where Christ in me bonded with Christ in him and we became brothers in Christ. Nothing is more valuable than knowing Christ. As Paul says in Philippians 3, I'm not saying that I have all this together that I have it made. But I'm well on my way reaching out for Christ who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong, Paul says, by no means do I count myself an expert in all of this. But I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running and I'm not turning back. So if you are going to build a resume, let it be built of encounters with the living Christ. If you are going to have a pedigree, let it be that you are a child of the Most High God, an heir to the kingdom, a member of a royal priesthood. That's a pedigree. Count everything else as loss. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.